Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Sunday, December the 17th. And welcome to our little program here that we do. Every once in a while, we like to interview some of our fellow Cuban-Americans and chat with them and learn about their stories. And in this particular case, uh, we're bringing back an old friend of our podcast, uh, Amarilis Garcio Rassler, who uh, wrote some books in the past and has been enjoying a lot of success writing books. And I always enjoy talking to Cuban-Americans who, who write books and, uh, and do well in life. So let me say hello to Amarilis. How are you, Amarilis? I am fine, Silvio, but I noticed that I wrote my, I must have written my name wrong. Okay, well, you so, maybe you did, yeah. <laughs> yes, so it's R-A-S-S-L-E-R, -S -S and it was me that did it, so sorry about that. All right, but, uh, well, okay, so how did I, so how did, oh, okay, R-O-S or R-A-S? This is uh, R-A-S-W-S-L-E-R, that's not my name, R-A-S-S-L-E-R. Well, that's what I thought, and I just noticed that you, okay, well, well okay. It's All my right, fault. Well, I think I should have put it in better. So. Well, okay, we will forgive you for that. We won't cancel the show. <laughs> All right. you made a, a, a typo. But let's, uh, first of all, I, I have, I'm, I'm always, uh, I've had you on the show before, but I'm curious about this question. I meant to ask you in a previous time, uh, your last name, Gastio. Is it mm -hmm. Gastio or Gastio? How do you pronounce Gassio, it? Gassio, Gassio. And there's supposed, okay. a, there's supposed to be a street in Spain that my mother could not find it when she went there with that name. Okay. So so your I guess your ancestors came from Spain to Cuba, right? Is that correct? Some of them did, and some from Portugal, from the Canary Islands. All right. Okay. Oh, Canaries. Oh, the Canary <laughs> Islands. That's uh that's great. So it's Gassio, right? But that's your that would be your family name, and of course, Rassler. Would be your married name, I guess, right? Right, right. Okay, very good. And how did you get to the United States? Why don't you tell us uh, a little story about that, uh, Amarilis? Well, um, I came to the United States through Operación Pedro Pan. I'm a Pedro Pan um, kid. I came with my sister and my cousin, and um, we we first came and stayed in different places. My sister and I stayed with friends of my parents. Um, the whole family was that was here was struggling, everybody. So we went with the friends. And then my cousin went with the lady that um, contacted my aunt in Cuba and said she would take my cousin. And then my mother came later on, and then my dad came. So everybody came by episodes. And how, how long were you separated from your parents? <clears throat> we came, my sister and I came in August. My mother came in December. My father had trouble getting out, but he finally made it by July. And every time they came, that's one of the poems in one of my books. <clears throat> every time someone came, they came with less things. Mm -hmm. Like my mother was only allowed 44 pounds. We were allowed 66. My father came with like a, a few changes of clothes. Wow. And you left what year? I left in 1960, 60, okay. 61. I believe okay, that and, was and, and, and my mind's going on me, Sylvia. I know, I know. <laughs> it's happening to all of us. But yes, and and the reason I asked you what year you left because you know many of your fellow Pedro Pan children were were left separated from their parents because of the October Missile Crisis. 
So you were very fortunate that your family could get out mm -hmm. before the October 62 missile crisis, because that was the point where they couldn't come out. And mm -hmm. many of them eventually came out, but it was not, uh, it was much later than they had planned. You were very fortunate that you were able to get all your family, your mom and your dad before the October 1962 uh, missile crisis. You were very lucky in that respect, uh, Marilis. Yes, we're very thankful. It was hard waiting for my dad. He was just not getting permission. So, yeah. And what part of Cuba did you grow up in? In Havana. In Havana. Okay. Because I've seen this photo you've put from time to time of you on a horse. Where was that? Now, that was Pinar del Rio. And before we left, I think my father knew uh, what was going on. And he wanted us to see where he was raised. And oh, he was okay. a poor little Guajirito um, <laughs> from Pinar del Rio. He had his first pair of shoes when he was six years old. Wow. Out of a raffle in, in the church. So, um, so he wanted us to see. So we went to um, Theo Pancho's uh, little ranch. And that's where I saw my first outhouse, you know, and a lot of chickens and uh, dirt floor. Very poor, very poor. I got the feel for it. Yes. So who knew that you would be uh, years later talking about that photo? I mean, you know, those photos that we take when we're kids that we show later, uh, that's a... Uh, that's remarkable. So you came to the United States, and where did you go when you came to the United States? When we came to the United States, we we went to Miami, and we waited for my dad, and then we were encouraged by the uh, someone in the refugee department and everything to go on, uh, go up north. And so we did go to Connecticut. First, we went to New Jersey. Um, we my father couldn't find a job there. And finally, they hired him in Connecticut. So we went to Connecticut. So we're kind of like you, Silvio, with your book with uh, Kuanos in Wisconsin, because it was cold there. So Yes, um, I can imagine. Uh, and of course, in, in our story, something that I think you know from the book is that we already knew that we were going to Wisconsin uh, when we got to Miami, because we had an uncle up there who had kind of arranged for us to to go up there. So uh, it wasn't like we got to Miami and then they sent us here. Mm -hmm. We already kind of knew that we were going up there because the same church that uh, relocated my uncle offered to do that with us. But you're exactly right. That first year, uh, that first winter in the United States is, is an experience. That's all I can tell you. For us, my brother and I was a lot of fun. My brother, my sister and I, it was a lot of fun playing in the snow for my poor dad who had to get up at like five o'clock in the morning and take a bus to go to work and walk from the apartment where we lived to the bus stop, which is like three blocks. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, at the time, I didn't realize it. But when I think about it, I just go, my God, I'm so grateful to our parents for the sacrifices they made, you know, for us. Yes, Absolutely. it's amazing. It really is. The sacrifices they made for us. And I'm sure it was the same with your parents, but that's what it was. Just they wanted us to grow up in freedom. That's all that yes. it was. Yes, Amazing. definitely. Now, you came to the United States and then eventually you started writing books. Um, so tell us about your first book and what inspired you to write it. My first book is Cuban American Dancing on the Hyphen. 
the great title. That is the title. I'm going the wrong way. I should go with this way. Yeah, right there. You got it right there. That's perfect. No, I'm just saying that is the greatest title. Uh, I love. How did you come up with that title? Well, I had seen, I had read a few um, articles about people living in the middle and the since they're immigrants and. uh, and so I thought, okay, the hyphen. And there was another book that had the hyphen something in it. So I thought, okay, um, that's where I am at. I'm in the middle. A lot of times I'm in the middle. Um, and not not a bad place to be. No, uh, it's been no. it's been great to know Americans and to keep in touch with Cubans. So, um, but you asked me how I started writing. Um, we my husband took me on a cruise and an anniversary cruise, and the uh, cruise ship went really close to Cuba years ago. And when I was going to be there to look at it, I was trying to decide, am I going to get emotional? What's going to happen? So I went on my own. I went underneath like steps on the ship underneath and hit and kind of uh, looked at the island. And when I looked at the island, I encounter the me, the little girl that had left there and got emotional about it. And I thought, well, that little girl wants to talk and wants to share and wants to speak of what it was all about. So that's how the book got started. And I dedicated it to my mother, to my parents. And uh, she was able to have the book for about a year, year and a half before she went home to be with the Lord. So it was good. I'm glad I did it. Yes, I'm, I'm glad you did. Because I remember when your mother passed away, I think, in, in fact, by coincidence, we had done a Mother's Day show, if you remember. Uh, and your mother passed away the next day. Yes. Uh, so I remember that. But I'm so ha- I'm so happy that you wrote that book because I'm sure it meant a lot to her and to your father. It has to for them to to realize that their story is now written forever. Mm-hmm. You know, people years from now will be able to read about them. That is really cool. I like that. Yes, and and I was blessed with the fact that a professor from Oregon State University found the book at a bookstore. And then he has used it for classes, um, culture classes on Cuba. So that has been fun. And then um, it has been fun getting to know him too, his love for Cuba and everything. So the book, oh, the book also starts, words from the book start an immigration documentary, American Dreams. Oh, okay, okay. Um, the man that did that documentary, a judge here, a retired judge here in Tampa that knows my husband, he got inspired by the book and then he wanted to use it uh, words. What is an immigrant in his trailer? So, so the book's been used. Wonderful. Well, I think the, the, the genius on your part of using that hyphen, that word hyphen, because I think all of us of our generation at some point or another have been on that hyphen. We've Mm -hmm. been there. Because you have the Cuban on one side. You never really break away from it. I mean, that Cuban is in us. And it it will always be in us. And then, of course, the American is the inevitable consequence that we're here. Mm -hmm. So it's like you have this back and forth. And I know that uh, this happened to me personally when Mariel happened in 1980. Mm -hmm. uh, That uh, I was, I remember watching television because... During the 1970s, I got a little disconnected from Cuba, not on purpose, not on purpose. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was I went to the university. I had I was working and I got moved away from the, mm-hmm. the Cuba, you know, the Cuba part of my life. 
And then when I saw Mariel, I was watching it on TV. I said to myself, my goodness, these people are coming from where I came from. Mm -hmm. And I just, there was like a reawakening of the Cuba side. And I've been very interested in Cuba ever since, whether it's mm -hmm. politics or whether it's whatever. But it was Mariel that turned it on for me again. But I know over and over and over again, uh, I deal with that. I go back, you know, between the Cuban-American, uh, the American, the Cuban, uh, whether it's the food, whether it's the music, it, it just never goes away. It's in, in us. And it, I guess it will always be with us. So you wrote that book. It was a very celebrated book. But then you wrote another book. Uh, so give me give me the second book. Um, the other book is The Chairs. The Chair, okay. And The Chairs came about because I visited Dunedin, Florida, which is a, a, a Scottish little town that is a sister to uh, Stirling in Scotland. And they're connected. And so I wrote about a, a, an elderly couple. And it has angels that come visit the town through the prayers of the elderly couple because there is a there is a family in that town that is in trouble and they need help. So it is a, it's, it is a, it's a woman's book. It is for discussion. It's a Christmas book. It happens at Christmas. So it is good to, for a tea or a coffee and then do the discussion, read the book. And it has different themes and a little bit about my life too at the end. And uh, so, so I wrote that book, The Chairs. And it has four Adirondack chairs, and I researched how they came about and everything. It was a lot of fun to research who made the Adirondack chairs. And I have that information in the back. So it's a little um, supernatural story, and it has strong characters of different ages in it. So that's my chairs book. So then you wrote another book after that, right? I tell you, you're turning into a library. You with so many books. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think I finished, we're going to call you Amarilis Biblioteca, right? Because you're Biblioteca. Right? I finished Beyond the Veil in Countering Demons, which is a testimony of my life, of how I dabble in the occult and oh, okay. uh, how I found my faith. And that is in, on Kindle Vela. And I am putting it, it goes in something that Amazon has that is called Kindle Vela. And an author or writer can write by episodes instead of chapters. They call them episodes. And um, so my whole story will be there in Kindle Vela. Um, and it has a lot of Cuban culture in it because it's from the start, a little girl in Cuba, and then how I grow up, how I meet my husband, and how I keep going, then get in trouble, and then the Lord gets me out of the trouble. So Now, Kindle Vela, you were telling me about this before the show, and I was not familiar with this at all. This is a, a part of the, the Amazon, right, uh, Kindle? Yes, yes. Um, Kindle Vela comes through KDP, which is the author's part of uh, Amazon. And you can write a book or you can write stories. I have another book in there that I started, and it's the Voice of Cuba Anthology. And it started with a, a little story of a little girl, very brave little girl during the Bay of Pigs invasion. And that won first prize for Royal Palm Literary Award, and it's free because the first Kindle Vela's episodes, the first three are free, and then you buy tokens, and um, it's a minimal cost to keep reading. So that's how Amazon, um, uh, you know, markets the, the, the author's Kindle Vela. 
And, and so, this is a, a new service. I guess I was not familiar with it. This is an, a fairly new service that Amazon offers, right? Yes, it's been it's been for a, I think a couple of years at least. Okay. Uh, I just found out about it like this this year and started putting my episodes there because my book is finished. Right. And Tony Mendoza did the cover. Right. It is uh, the cover. I don't know if you could see it. It's a butterfly that he told me they have yes. in Cuba. Oh, I can't do it. There you go. You got it. There. Yeah, there you go. You got it. Perfect. Perfect there. Yes. Wow. And he said there's a butterfly in Cuba that has the little mosaic like little pieces. Yeah. And so so he was very good at it. Very good. He's and I have to say that Tony Mendoza also did the, the cover for your hyphen book, right? Yes. Didn't he? Didn't he? That is a yeah. wonderful. I love that cover. Yeah, no, and that is the that is yeah, an absolutely wonderful cover. So this is your last book, right? The one you just mentioned? Or is there another uh, one? No, the, the very last one is... Oh, um, yes, of course, yeah. The Christmas behind, book. Okay. Behind the scenes, okay. uh, a different kind of Christmas tale. All and right. that just came out. And the lady that was the illustrator, that is the illustrator, she worked as a, for Disney as a, as a director and designed. And she, she did a great job. This little book is... Um, this little book came... Through a prompt, I have wow. a writer's group that meet once a month, and we were a little blocked in this. We all said, let's do a prompt. The prompt was, um, speak up and see what you get. So you were supposed to put that in a story. Uh -huh. So I thought, it was around Christmas time, and I thought, I'm going to write a Christmas story. I'm going to write another Christmas story. So this has the three kings, but it's a supernatural story again, and it happens in heaven. It happens wow. in heaven. And wow, and that's the one you just sent me. You just sent me that one. Mm -hmm. I just got it like yesterday or the day before. And I tell you, going through it, uh, the graphics are fabulous. Uh, yes. I mean, you know, I, I know that people are supposed to read the book, but but my, <laughs> I love graphics. And the yes. graphics on that one are, you could, please tell that lady who did the graphics that she did a, uh, a fantastic job. So the all of these books that you've written, four of them now, we're up to four, right? Or is there another one? Uh, yes. Oh, yes, another four. one. All right. No, there's that's four. it. Four, there's right? Four. Okay. I'm working on one, but there's four. All right. So you, I'm sure, I'm sure the next year when I talk to you, you'll be five, but because <laughs> you're so so uh, prolific in how and how you write. But the inspiration for all these books, and and this is why I like your book so much. It's always very personal to you. I mean, you're not writing about stuff that, you know, I'm not going to say boring stuff like politics like I do, but you write about a lot of personal things, a lot of things that are very personal. And I think that's great, Mamarilis. That's wonderful. Well, you have to write with passion. You have to be passionate because um, if you don't get emotional over things and um, become your characters and... Um, a little secret about me is that I've been to acting classes and that has helped me to get into uh, inside my characters and help me to write. So, so I think if I, if you don't have a passion, I have a passion for Cuba and I have a passion for the spirit realm, the right kind, the right type, the right side of the spirit realm. And I'm very grateful to God's angels and, um, uh, and I am very passionate, too, about good, loving relationships. I love to write romances, the one I'm writing right now. It's called The Rafters. I'm extending my rafter story that won an award. And I want a good ending because there were five in the raft. 
and only three survived. Mm. And I want to extend a happy ending to that story. So there will be a couple of romances there. Now, these are balseros. Is that what, what they uh -huh. are? Yes. Uh -huh. Okay. All yeah. right. That's, uh, that's wonderful. Now, you, when you left Cuba and you came to the United States uh, and you went to school and you started working, what did you do? I mean, all those years, I think you were a teacher, right? If I remember, right? Yes, I, I, I did some of that. I, I graduated and um, I started my master's in language. And then I, I, I started being a mama. Okay. And so I had some time at home and then I did some substituting. And then, um, like I said, I had a spiritual experience where I really um, had an encounter with God. Mm. And so that led me, I thought I was going to go back to teaching, but that led me to studying being a chaplain. And so for 15 years, I was a chaplain at Bush Gardens for an industrial chaplain, which wow. works with the employers there. And that I also fascinating. I didn't know that. That's fascinating. Yes, that's that's a part of my life that is very wonderful. Um, the vice president there for many years, for eight years of my 15 years was a very strong believer. So we had some good times together and, uh, he wanted me to start a devotional, which brought me even more into the Bible. So it was very good, very good experience. And I, we also worked for the, my husband and I work as volunteers for the suicide and crisis lines. Yeah. So, so all those things kept me busy. Plus as I went to churches and told my story of my uh, how God helped me and deliver me from the oppression I had, then I um, started having calls. And so I started a ministry of helping people that were going through something like I was going. I see. So that's where I've been, uh, Silvio. And, but you've lived most of your life in the United States and Florida, right? Yes, so definitely. Most of your life in, in Florida. And you met your husband there in Florida as well. So he's... He's, he's American, originally from Florida? Yes, my husband was my history teacher in high school. Okay, but this is a great story. You have to tell that story. This is a it great, is, it is. I, I, know, is. I know the story, I know the story, but you have to tell it. Yes, it's in my book, uh, Silvio. It's in my Beyond the Veil, Encountering Demons story. I, I put it in there. So your husband was your history teacher in high school, who I guess... After you graduated from high school, he took an interest in you, I guess, right? I guess that's the way to put it. Well, he said he had decided he was going to try to marry me right from the start. Okay. <laughs> he was looking for a Cuban woman. So he was and, fascinated with Cuban women. So um, he wanted to marry a Cuban. Well, that's so a good choice. Him. Your husband has good taste in that, in that sense. Okay. <laughs> I'll tell him. Okay. I'll yeah, tell please him. tell him that he has good. So what, a, that, why was he interested in the Cuban woman? What was the reason for that? Uh, he says he thought they looked beautiful and that they had um, a very sweet attitude. So, um, so he didn't anyway. say anything about cooking, right? Well, that came afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> that, that came, came afterwards. afterwards. Okay. And I love to cook, so that's yes, good. Yes, I, I know. I've, I've heard that, too, that you you love to cook. So you have how many children? I have two children. Um, I, I say I have four children because my two children marry, and the other ones became my children, too. Right. I love okay. them. You know. That's right. Now, one thing that one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you this time of the year is because it's Christmas time, Navidad, as you and I remember growing up. 
How much of the of the Cuban Navidad, Nochebuena, Reyes Magos, how much of that do you still, maybe not necessarily practice, but you, you still have in you and you remember Amarilis? Oh, I remember everything. Um, yeah. And I take time. I'm, I make it a point to sit and reflect on it um, at least two or three times during this the holiday season, remembering my parents and even the Christmas that we did here after they were here. Um, of course, for many years, we have had the pork and the black beans and the rice and um, met. We always meet the 24th, no matter what. We 24th is more important to us, I think, as far as family get together and meeting. Um, we still celebrate on the 25th, but um, 24th is very important. And the central point that I saw in my my house at, at in Cuba was um, the nativity. They always put the nativity out and there was a Christmas tree, but the nativity and going to church and um, keeping it central on Christ's birthday. It's Christ's birthday. And of course, um, the gifts came later with uh, January 6th and Los Reyes Magos, which I love Los Reyes Magos. Yes. As you can tell in my little book that I had behind the scenes, I have even one Rey Mago in there who loves to eat all the time. <laughs> <laughs> had to have an eater in there. I so know. anyway, yeah. So so anyway, um, it is very close to me. Yes. I remember everything. I remember how my father was always a very grateful man, and his eyes would water around the holidays, um, thinking of Christ being born, yes. and also of all the things that he had, and all the things that God had given them. So it is. It it doesn't die ever. No. It's always with me. Um, the, and I hear that. I hear that from other Cubans of our generation that uh, it, it's, it's with him, it's within them and it never changes. I know in my case that that very first Christmas in the United States, when you first come and that very first Christmas, that is so special. I'll never forget it. I'll mm -hmm. never forget it. What, what we went through because my father was working two jobs. My mother was not working, but she would work a little bit as well. Uh, she was taking care of children, and at one point she was even cleaning homes to mm. make things and uh, make ends meet. And the the opportunity that we had to get together for just a day in our first Christmas in the United States. And I remember some of the Christmases in Cuba. Um, I remember uh, writing a letter letters to the Reyes Magos. Uh, you would write a letter to Baltasar or Melchor or Gaspar, whichever one you liked. And one image that keeps coming back to me is going with my father and my mother to like a park and, and they they had the camels and Los Reyes Magos there. And I remember that. So again, you know, we, we, we live here and, and we've gotten away from it a little bit, but the memory is still there. I cannot let go of it. It's still there. And this time of the year, uh, I just remember it even more. Amarilis. It, it just comes back to me a lot, as I'm sure it does to you as well. I think I think too because what we went through, and yes. there was a chance of losing family. Family is very important during that time. The love of family and the unity in family. Absolutely, and uh, and and, I, and there are others that I've spoken to Pedro Pons, uh, you know, who came in the Pedro Pan program, who never saw. I know one case never saw his father again, mm -hmm. and then another case they had to wait many years to see their 
their parents. So I guess, you know, yes, I think we Cubans value family because we know mm -hmm. what it's like to be without it. Well, Amarilis, our time has flown. Uh, just any anything else you wanted to say? Tell us where people can get your books. Okay, my books can be gotten through Amazon and also putting my name in for the Kindle uh, Vela uh, on Amazon. And also I have a website, which is my name, Amarilis Gasio Rassler, no W, R-A-S-S-L-E-R, dot net. Right. And so... And we and remind I want to people. Thank you. I want to thank you, Silvio, for having me in your show. And um, no, I, it's always a pleasure. You're one of my favorite people. But I just want to make sure everybody who's looking at your name right now on the screen <laughs> realizes that that's a typo. It's mm -hmm. R, <laughs> R A S R A S S L E R. Right. I have it correctly on the on the show notes. Oh, good. So so no, that I have it correctly on the show notes. And for those of you who are catching the show on Babalu, uh, thank you very much uh, for doing that as well. Well, Amarilis, uh, Feliz Navidad to you and to your family. And keep writing all those great books. We love them. Thank you. Lo propio. All right. Thank, thank you so you. much. Our friend uh, Amarilis Rassler, a uh, great friend of our show, and we've had her on before. Great story. I just love her story. Coming here and writing books. And, you know, carry on that, uh, that Cuban-American experience, as I say, you know, this library that we've made of, uh, of our story is something that our children, our grandchildren are going to enjoy a great deal. Thank you for listening. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye, everybody.